What's going on, everybody? Welcome in. Tuesday episode of All Canadian. We're getting into it. Tons of OUA stuff going on. Playoffs are set in the OUA, so we're going to talk about that. Uh, some massive upsets in U Sports this weekend, so we're talking about those for sure as well. Before not massive. We <laughs> not massive. 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 Monumental. Mount Rushmoreian. I'm saying no, not massive. I will explain later. Connor's got to okay. say something. I do have something to say. Uh, a little bit of a fun one to start off this episode. I want to give a quick congratulations to Braden Stachel, Reddit, CFL Reddit. He is now a father. His son has officially been born. So congratulations. Let's go, baby Quinn. <laughs> congratulations to uh, the stat or congratulations to Braden and his partner. Uh, we are super, super happy for you guys. One more member of the U sports slash CFL football family. Um, so hope everything Reddit just gained well another there. user. <laughs> <laughs> they certainly did. He's already got an account locked for him. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, a, a massive congratulations, a heartfelt congratulations. Uh, we were, we were both very, very happy, very excited to see that. So much love going out to, to Braden and his partner for their new newborn son. All right. <clears throat> you guys heard the OUA or you guys will hear the OUA recap in a bit. Just want to say a shout out before we get going to my Toronto Varsity Blues. Connor, this is a train that's not stopping this week. Playoffs. Playoffs? What do you mean playoffs? Talking about playoffs? Talking about playoffs, man. Playoffs? Playoffs. Four not a game. and four. Playoffs. Not practice. Not regular season. Not regular season. season. Not the preseason. The postseason. Second time, second straight year, new quarterback, new whole offense, except for Adam Williams. Uh, whole new bunch of players with no Lovegrove, no Corby. That O-line, Kinsale Phillip, Adam, Nigel Lagood, David Osho. Uh, the DBs making timely interceptions. Love to see it. I might, I might be wearing blue on Saturday at Queens. I'm dead serious on this. <laughs> I know you are. I know you are. I, but, I'm, I'm a little salty. I wish I could, could celebrate this hard with you. Like, I really wish I could, have, could be celebrating a Garnet and Gray win right now, but the Western Mustangs are the Western Mustangs until they're not the Western Mustangs anymore. Connor, with that being said, we are ready to go for the playoffs. the week that was uh, in the OUA. Welcome into the OUA recap. Uh, sorry, it's a bit late. I had a power outage all Sunday, so we were not able to, A, watch football in this household, and B, film our OUA recap. Uh, <clears throat> so we've got it coming now. Connor, what a week. We have our playoff picture sorted. We've got clarity on who could possibly be the OUA MVP as well. Yeah. Lots to discuss. It, uh, it certainly was a week and it didn't really like, I don't know about you, but to me, it didn't really feel like one of those OUA weeks where like anything overly outstanding happened. It was just a matter of getting it done for a lot of teams and getting into the postseason. Getting it done is a good way to put it. We're going to start with a team that got it done on the road in some tough circumstances. Uh, the Western Mustangs won by 20 over the Ottawa GGs. This was the matchup that even we thought was going to be oh my God, this is the deciding factor for first place. Uh, what is going to happen? First quarter, Evan Hillock gets hurt, and it's 
kind of looking, uh-oh, could this be a close game? And then Western has a missed snap on a punt, and instead of kicking it out the back of the end zone, Cam Creechin falls on it on the two, and we're texting each other like, oh, my God, What's what is going here? on here? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Keon Edwards said, hey, guys, yeah, let's, let's, uh, let's stop playing around here. And they cruised after that. Yeah, certainly did. And I mean, for Ottawa, putting up two zeros in the first and the third quarter really doesn't do you any favors against a team like Western. And I know I didn't joke about it on the OUA preview last week or the OUA, uh, yeah, the OUA preview last week, but I joked about it on our U Sports preview. And I said that Silas Fania out in X had a Hilakian performance. No, no, no. Jackson White in this game had a Hilakian performance. 10 completions, 10 completions, 15 attempts, 196 yards, and two touchdowns while Keon Edwards and Edwinati went to work in the backfield. Another day of over 30, 30 carries, 37 carries total on the ground for the two of them. A hundred or 200, sorry, excuse me, 238 yards on the ground, a touchdown for Keon <laughs> Edwards. Come on, it's uh, what they do. This has got to be the most frustrating part of the Western Mustangs when teams go to play them is they ran the ball 37 times and it's nothing unassuming. Keon Edwards had a 22-yard carry. Edwinati had a 14-yard carry. But they both eclipsed 100 yards and it's just like a death by a thousand cuts. Well, um, and you know it's coming too. I feel like that's, like, that's what makes it even worse. You know yeah. they're going to run the ball and they still go for 230 and a touchdown. And I, I want to talk about Jackson White because you did mention like his Hilakian performance. Um, Jackson White was an outstanding true freshman when he was with McMaster. Yeah. And then the following season, they decided to go with Andreas Dueck. They won the Yates Cup. White says, okay, I'm going to transfer. Goes to Western. Gets pulled halftime against Laurier last year. We all know how that goes. Hillock comes in. And it's Hillock's team. Jackson White is still a damn good quarterback. He was he, ripping the ball around the field. He got beat out by Andreas Dueck, who is one of the more efficient passers in the league uh, and won a Yates Cup. And then he got beat out by Evan Hillock, who, as a true freshman, went undefeated, untouched, Vanier Cup champion. He's still a good quarterback. And I think yeah. that it was perfectly shown on his, uh, not his touchdown to Savon Magna Jones, but the touchdown to Seth Robertson in the red zone. That was uh, a we, hard. He, he went through, I think, four or five reads, stepped yeah. up in the pocket, moved over, moved up, uh, and then just put one over the top of the linebacker. She said, there yeah. you go, little gift, chef's kiss into the end zone. That, to me, I was like, yeah, there's Jackson White. There we go. Welcome back. The, um, thing, for me, the thing for me, I just want to, I want to add on to that touchdown throw because I think that was definitely his most veteran throw of the, of the day. But for me, watching that play unfold too, it was watching him move the Ottawa pieces around <laughs> the field with his eyes to open up Robertson in the back of the end zone. Like, looked off the safety, went to his next read, got the guy to come down, which opened up Robertson over the middle for that for that seam kind of up the goalpost into that back of the end zone. And what a throw. Finished it off with a great throw. Absolutely. And uh, with, with Western winning, they are now the one seed. They have locked down the bye. And they're going to most likely, they are like a game away in the playoffs because they just have to play the semifinals. 
a game away from hosting a Yates Cup at home and taking that first step to a home Vanier. Ottawa, meanwhile, Connor, they're going to have to fend off the Windsor Lancers. Uh, Ottawa, though, in this game, struggled. 9 of 20 for Ben Miracle. Uh, J.P. Simmons came to three yards a carry, 15 for 47. He had two touchdowns, but one was uh, two yards, one was four yards, and the two-yard touchdown we talked about already. They they got gifted the ball on the two-yard line. And um, a back like that, all he has to do is take two steps forward and <laughs> over, right? He's so strong, so powerful that a gift like that is going to be a goal line touchdown. Uh, absolutely. I mean, uh, when we look at this Ottawa defense, right, like James Peters still had a high volume of tackles. Um, I thought that Kevin Victone played well, but when you have so many weapons like Western does in Magne Jones, Nixon, Robertson, uh, Griffin Campbell, and they're running the ball that well, it's so tough as one DB to make a huge difference. Um, so for Ottawa, I, I think this is kind of a, honestly, a reality check, right? Like we're, we have one loss. It was a close game against Queens uh, on a weird kind of stormy night where we had a lot of resets. They were riding high. Western says, pump the brakes there, young, and we're going to show you how, how the veteran winning team has done this. Yeah, I think, I think, I definitely think there's a little bit of that. And I, I think for me with Ottawa in this one too, they showed flashes of being able to keep up and compete with the Western Mustangs. I just wanted to see that sustained for a full four quarters. Like I said, off the top, like having, having quarters where you put up no points and Western still puts up like seven, 10 points. You can't, it's going to be for anybody. It's going to be hard to compete with that if they're scoring and you're not in a quarter. All right, Connor, let's move on to the Carlton Ravens against the Guelph Griffins. Uh, this was kind of a weird game. I mean, Guelph just hung in there. It was 18, three. And then all of a sudden it was 18, 14. And then it was 32, 20 or to 14. And then Guelph just slowly started to come back. Uh, Carlton though, Two games in a row, they've let Tanner Young kind of open it up a bit. 15 of 24, 206, two touchdowns. Last week, we saw him up over 30 attempts. Uh, it's, it's resulted in two of their better offensive performances of the year. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, for Guelph in this one, in the first and fourth quarter, they actually beat the Carlton Ravens 13 to three. It was just the 32 <laughs> points that they put up in the second and third quarter that made it difficult to come back from. Yeah, that's, uh, that's always tough to do. Um, but I will say <laughs> we had multiple quarterbacks play for Guelph in this one. Uh, Helfrich and Yanchuk both played 15 of 33, 9 of 12, respectively. Uh, <clears throat> I, I think with Guelph, the looming question is still, Connor, who is playing quarterback for this team? Obviously, they're now, uh, they had missed the playoffs uh, after falling to 1 and 7. That is the entire question for this offseason. Yeah. And I think who throws the ball. And I think that's kind of what they were trying to figure out in this one. I mean, Helfrich threw for over 150. Yanchak comes in and throws for 135. So I think there was a little bit of, of seeing what you got in this game for, for next year. But I mean, I all things aside and every everything that we've said over the course of the season about Guelph, I really liked how Jake Helfrich has finished out the season for these Griffins. He shows some grit. He's shown some progression. He's shown that he's kind of getting older quickly in this Guelph Griffins offense and really figuring out what they want to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, as a team would love to see some consistency heading into to 2023. 
With Guelph, though, they've had nine weeks to kind of figure this out. I, I feel like it's going to be a big pitch to some recruit that's going to have to come in and play as a true freshman. Uh, kind of like get your Evan Hillock is what I want to say. Uh, everything comes back to this man from Western. Um, but no, with, with Guelph, they, they've had a good defense. Um, they got lit up a bit here in the middle of the game uh, by DeYoung. Kasim Ferdinand in particular, eight for 88, yeah. two touchdowns. Uh, he had a hell of a day. They got to travel to the Laurier Golden Hawks. Uh, that's going to be a close, tight, hard-fought game. Uh, we're going to preview all these though for you later. So yeah, we'll, uh, get Connor, we'll get there. But speaking, which game are we moving on to next? I was going to say, speaking of the Laurier Golden Hawks, we might as well segue it and move there because inversely of how we thought this game was going to go, the Queens Gales come out with a 30-11 to 11 win, a huge 30-11 to 11 win for them, and a big bounce-back performance from quarterback Alex Vreekin. Oh my God, was it ever. After going 9 of 25 last week against McMaster, Vreekin comes out 15 of 26, 220. Uh, a rushing touchdown to add with that. Yep. Uh, but Connor, he was in control of this game. Uh, yeah. While they weren't putting up the points, uh, <clears throat> he was he was commanding the offense well. And then Laurier just started to have some penalty issues uh, in the second half that really pushed the game out of hand. Yeah, they certainly did. And in, in- you know, we credit a lot of this win to Alex Vreekin for having this bounce back game, having a really good performance and kind of controlling the Queens offense. But let's talk about the defense of the Queens Gales here, because two point, a two point first quarter opening quarter, you hold what has been a very good Laurier Golden Hawks offense to two points. Then you come out and zero them going into halftime in the second quarter. Sure, they put up nine points. But that was a big chunk play, right? The 40-yard touchdown to Ethan Jordan. So, so nine points in the third quarter, and you're, <laughs> you're still up 13-9 to nine at that point. And then you come out and win the fourth quarter 17-0. So credit to Alex Vreekin, but I think there's a significant, significant amount of credit due to the Queens' defense in this game because without the way that they played, holding them scoreless in the second and the final quarter of the game, there is this is a lot closer. And, I, again – I'm going to keep harping on the Queens defense here because let's look at what they did to the Laurier backfield in this one, which has been a, a, an outstanding rushing attack this season. They held Tanner Nelms 37 yards on seven carries. Then they hold Quentin Scott to 24 yards on six carries. These are two guys that have been going for over 70 yards in their last few games. Now, here's what I think uh, is the like, real crux of this Queens team. They hold the ball, and every time they score, that time of possession gets larger and larger and larger. And teams start to kind of go, oh, crap, we need to score quick. We can't, we can't waste a lot of clock. We need to start getting back into this game. And they finished uh, with 33 and a half minutes of time of possession, 33.25 officially, so uh, just a shade under. But <clears throat> Laurier only had to attempt – uh 16 rushes this game connor that's a laurier team that ran the ball i think like close to 50 times against guelph last week and they're going to come out with 16 carries uh i think queens was taking that away a little bit i think they forced they, them to they play made you play left-handed, left-handed. yeah, yeah. <laughs> look at um, us look at us this is this is what we do uh but no with with queens uh my only concern is that eventually their offense is going to have to play left-handed. 
Yeah. Someone and is going does... to shut down this run game. And if it is Alex Freakin exactly. for the future, uh, how does he respond? This That's is what a, I want to see. Second year player. This is his first action, first series of act games where he is the dude. How does he respond, especially in the playoffs? Because he's got the Toronto Varsity Blues coming up this week. Uh, traditionally, over the last couple of years with Marshall and uh, Schneider, it has been Queen's ground game nonstop. I have a feeling that it's going to have to be something else eventually. Yeah, I, I'm entirely with you, especially, I, I mean, I know we're looking ahead a little bit now, but doesn't have that playoff experience. So I will be watching for that this weekend. But before we start to dive into playoff matchups too much, because I know we're both excited, both both ready to get there. Let's move on to the next game because we still have to do this recap before we get to the previews. I'm just excited for the playoffs, Connor. <laughs> uh, okay, Windsor Lancers over the Waterloo Warriors. This is a big statement for them. Windsor punched their ticket to the postseason. A 4-4 four and four record when many people thought they were not going to be uh, anywhere close to as good as they were uh, or have been. But Connor, familiar faces, familiar places. And that is Joey Zorn and the damn end zones at Alumni Stadium in Windsor. Yeah, and he did this not just on the ground, but through the air in this in the win over Waterloo. Zorn had nine attempts on the ground, 76 yards, and a touchdown, two receptions, 54 yards, and a touchdown. What can't Zorn do? Uh, I want to talk, though, Connor. Nolan Caban. The interceptions once again. He had three interceptions in the first half, Connor. Uh, this is a trend that we've seen throughout the year. And finally, the Windsor or the Windsor Lancers picked him off before the half. Waterloo said, tapping out, we're done. They put in Matt Lins. Uh, he also threw a pick, so it didn't end up <laughs> being much better, but he was able to score their lone touchdown. Uh, Connor, this this was the issue with Waterloo all year. They could put up yards, they could put up points, but they kept shooting themselves in the foot. And this time it was over before they even had a chance to really go. It really was a 31 point first half from the Windsor Lancers off three first half turnovers makes it really hard to come out and not just play the second half of the game, but play the second half of the game with any kind of confidence. Meanwhile, Windsor found a passing attack again. Uh, Danny Skelton, 16 of 29, 240 in the touchdown to Joey Zorn, as we mentioned before. Um, this Windsor team's kind of finding their form, Connor, through the air right now. And it's kind of adding this different dimension where they have to go and play against the Ottawa GGs. Yeah. And Ottawa's going to be pissed off. But Windsor's confident in themselves right now. They've done the road trip to Ottawa already this year. Uh, when they had to play Carlton, they've faced the GGs before. It was a closer game. game. Yeah. And I feel like both teams are at completely different places from where they were early in the year. Yep. Um, but this Windsor team has found their confidence. Uh, Nick Reyes has stepped up as a veteran presence uh, in the receiving core, 565 this week. Callum Bethune has been uh, contributing for them through the air all year as well. So I, I think this Windsor team is going to give uh, some people fits, but a four and four record for coach JP Cicelli, uh 39 to 11 win over Waterloo on senior day. And they're going to the postseason. the Windsor Lancers and 
the next game we're talking about, <laughs> the Toronto Varsity Blues, my Toronto Varsity Blues, are going to the playoffs. Welcome to 2022, everybody. The Windsor Lancers and the <laughs> Toronto Varsity Blues have made the OUA postseason. Now, this is the second year in a row Toronto's made the playoffs. Uh, I, got a, I got a text from one of my good friends. Uh, guys, it was to our group chat. Guys, G Marsh might get tenured. <laughs> <laughs> Two straight playoff appearances for the Varsity Blues uh, after not making it since 1997. I know we were kind of excited about it last year, but we had to be real. They made it after beating York twice uh, in the regular season. This year, a 4-4 and record. First time since 2014 that the Varsity Blues have hit 500 uh, in a full-length season. They did it on the road against McMaster. Connor, yeah. Max, a tough place to go and play. Oh, man, is it ever. It's one of my favorite stadiums in the OUA. Uh, definitely one of the hardest places to play. They always have a very passionate crowd there. Hamilton, football and Hamilton just go hand in hand, really. Passionate fans on, on you know, the pro <laughs> level, passionate fans at the U sports level, passionate fans at the high school level. Come mm. on now. But yeah, I mean, Toronto goes into a very tough place to play on the road in McMaster. They grind out a win. And I will say they did so on the ground and they leaned into, we said they were going to have to lean into Adam Williams. Which they, they did. They did. He had 16 did. carries. He didn't have the yardage, but he had 16 carries. And then their quarterback, Kinsale Phillip, followed it up with eight carries of his own for 75 yards and one very angry run. Oh, man. We got to get this submitted to... Uh, Somebody call Kyle NFL, NFL Network for tomorrow morning. Uh, no, with Kinsale Phillip, though, Connor, this was like... Okay, I'm not going to force the ball downfield. I'm just going to yeah. use my legs, beat the athlete that I am. Uh, and he was fighting for yards. Now, in the air, 14 of 29, so just under 50%, 189 yards. Um, but Mac has had a decent, uh, <clears throat> a decent uh, secondary this season. Uh, they've been feisty. But through the air, Connor, Lagood, Osho, Lehman, Osin, all of them, with three receptions yeah. each one of them had a catch of around 20 yards uh layman was the only one that didn't get 20 yards he had a 17 yard catch diodati a 19 yard catch uh they were attacking at the intermediate second uh second and third levels of this defense just kind of saying like you know what and half these connor were just quick screens and then they'd get in your face block you down uh they're getting athletes in space like Lagood and Osho and Adam Williams and just saying, we have the dudes. Yeah. Get in space, do your jam. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And the other guy that I really want to give some credit for the win in this game is Toronto's kicker, Samuel Henke, who had nine crucial points in the first half of this game. It was a 10-9 Mac lead going into halftime. Toronto comes out, puts up four more points in this game wins it 13 10 and so i think without without his leg they're not in this game uh absolutely not but uh like we talked about in the preview connor there was going to be an interception somewhere down the line uh for the varsity blues uh that just so happened to be right right before the end of the game as mcmaster is making a push two minutes on the clock 
interception. Uh, I, I took very big pride in making that prediction uh, <laughs> earlier this week. Um, but Ryan Collins uh, picked off midfield, sealed the game. They were able to close out the last two minutes, uh, take your victory, Niels, and move on. Uh, for the Varsity Blues, O'Connor, this books them a trip to Kingston to play the Queen's Gales. Um, let's talk about Macville because this is kind of the same formula that we saw all year and a team that had to forfeit uh, a couple games during the year from an eligibility standpoint. It happens to every team um, at some point, but this is the same formula we saw from them all year long. Yeah, certainly has been. Andreas Duak, 21 of 30, 215. Had a touchdown, but had those two big interceptions. And I think really this has just been a year of Andreas Duak not trying to do too much, but having to do too much for the Mac offense, if you know what I mean. Like he really has had to be the guy to make plays for Mac. I haven't really seen, other than, you know, early on in the season when Jacob Patton was making huge plays in, in the return game, I haven't really seen a player step up and be the guy at Mac other than Dweck, obviously, who touches the ball on every single play because he's the quarterback. But Connor, it's also the lack of a run game for McMaster. Yeah. 15 attempts, 67 yards. And I know Toronto played very well in this game and they were, they were really keying on uh, the Mac run game to kind of force Dweck into these situations. Um, but this is a team that has been gashed uh, throughout the year on the run, right? Like with Western and uh, Queens, these teams that target Toronto's rush defense, Mac couldn't get more than just four and change yards per carry. Um, honestly, I think that was the, the biggest crux with the McMaster team this year. Uh, no run game, leaving Duet to have this 30 plus attempt games. And he turned the ball over in those games. So uh, they're really struggling to kill the clock and keep a hold on the ball when they had it. But yeah, I mean, when we think about McMaster in the past and specifically their run game, I mean, they've always kind of had a two-headed monster in the backfield. They've always had a guy that will ground and pound and get you those hard yards. And then they've always had a, a second secondary back that has been, you know, kind of that pass catcher out of the backfield work in space and find the yards that way. And we just didn't see that for Mac this year at all. When you think McMaster, first person that comes to mind, maybe Marshall Ferguson. Jesse um, Lumsden. It's Jesse Lumsden, right? Like athletic, hard-nosed running back, yeah. grinding out the clock. Um, but that concludes our OUA recap from this week. We are headed to the playoffs. Uh, Connor is busy on the Saturday, but I am going to be in Kingston Watching my varsity blues, I might be wearing blue instead of uh, CFP gear, but there's <laughs> blue in both teams' color schemes, so it's it's still non-biased. Uh, but no, we'll Maybe be watching the, my varsity blues go against the Queens Gales uh, live from Richardson. It's actually homecoming, so the school pushed homecoming this year to try and make it when there's more midterms, and then Queens said, "Hey, we're going to host a playoff game on homecoming, so it, it doesn't even work out." <laughs> Uh, Love that. If you, <laughs> if you want to check out these games uh, upcoming for the playoffs, get your tickets now. Uh, there's not going to be a ton left. But if you want to check out the games we just mentioned, head to oiway.tv. You can get every game on demand uh, at Wade Zank, at Connor R. O'Neill, at CF Perspective. It's the postseason. 
We are ready for it. Stay tuned for more. And welcome back. Uh, time to talk about the three other conferences that aren't going into the playoffs. But as Connor mentioned, there was some big but not so big upsets uh, in U Sports. Connor, we're starting out East. I mean, they're big if you didn't realize they happened like I did out in, in another Connor conference had, that we will get to. But yeah, let's, let's start. Connor it was neck deep in CFL games on Saturday. Uh, <clears throat> well, we, we missed one of the biggest upsets of the weekend. X, the bus, Connor, it happened. The bus got rolling and it didn't stop. And I'm not talking about rolling in the sense of, uh, you know, he's gaining a lot of yards. I'm talking about the fact that Connor, he had four touchdowns on 92 total yards in the game. He touched the ball 18 times and scored four. In 1965, Mick Rice wrote the song Mustang Sally. In 2022, Malcolm Bussey rewrote those lyrics to that song. It is now Ride Samara Ride. Oh, God. Because the St. Mary's Huskies rode the living hell out of the Malcolm Bussey bus. The Express, man. Uh, there was no stop. There was no <clears throat> stop. I want to say, though, listen to these stat lines from X. Josh Connors, five and a half tackles, led the team. Uh, Zachariah Willems, five tackles, three sacks. Dighton Blackett, three and a half tackles, a sack, and a pick. Nathan Caillou, fumble recovery. Uh, Ethan Maston, pick <laughs> another uh, D lineman, um, Wagu, sack, forced fumble, Alex Fedgen, two sacks, uh, Zach Taylor, forced fumble, INT, <laughs> blocked. <laughs> St. Mary's had 146 yards of total offense, Silas Fanyo had 295 through the air. X, <laughs> X also had Connor. They forced uh, a grand total of six turnovers in this game. Six. That's a hell of a lot of short fields to give the bus and Fagnon. Fagnon still threw for 295 and two touchdowns. They just did not need to send their offense on the field in this game, I don't think. No. No, they didn't. They, they really did not. They would have won this game defensively by themselves if they had to play defense for four quarters. Uh, X, though, 7-0, class of the AU West. Good luck stopping them in the playoffs. Uh, they're going to be crossing over and having to play the Saskatchewan Huskies or whoever comes out of Can West. Uh, they'll try and better themselves from last year's uh, turnout. Other game, Connor. Also a blowout, 31-point win for the Bishops Gators over the Acadia Axemen. Yep, and another team that boasts one hell of a defense. And, I mean, we talk about the Bishops' defense a lot, but 
I would really like to talk about the play of their quarterback in this game. And I know, I know, I know people are going to be like, but the completion percentage. Yeah, but he threw for 236 yards and four touchdowns. So shout out to Justin Carrion for helping Bishops earn a 39-8 to win over the Acadia Axemen. I'll talk about the defense. 68 total yards rushing allowed. 141 total passing yards allowed. Uh, Keeping track, that's 209 yards. Connor, with Baron Miles as their defensive coordinator, Bishops, I I think Bishops has a chance to knock off X just because their uh, coordinator knows how to eliminate run games and how to effectively confuse a quarterback like Sal Espanol. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And their defense is so I'm – not, I'm not going to say, like, complicated or complex, but it's just so well-coached. They do so mm-hmm. much on the field. They're always in the right situa- – or they're, already, they're always situated in, in the right alignment, the right assignment. They know what's going on. They effectively in this game knew everything that Acadia was going to run before Acadia even ran it, it felt like. And one guy that I, I – again, we talk about him seemingly every week, but he deserves it. I want to talk about Gabriel Royer, and again, I'm really sorry if I'm, I'm saying his last name wrong, but I want to talk about him in this game because five and a half total tackles, a sack, two TFLs, and he is just the dominant force, the driving force of this Baron Miles-led Bishops defense. And I think that if Baron Miles sticks around for a while in Bishops, they are going to be a force to be reckoned with next year for sure. This year already, but next year, look out. Next year is Fanyol and Bussy come back for another run. Uh, okay, let's move the RSAC, Connor, because there are some interesting games this week. Uh, obviously, the Friday game, McGill and Concordia. This one was a crazy fourth quarter affair. It was 15 to 13 uh, entering the fourth quarter for the McGill Redbirds. And then it was a 37 to 30 OT win for Concordia. What? Yeah. yeah. Um, what is exactly what my thought process was? What? Each team had over 400 total yards of offense. The, uh, I think we finished with like 911 yards between the two of them. Uh, McGill dominated time of possession with 41 minutes of and the lost. game being played. And lost. Uh, That's criminal. Yeah. That is criminal. So you had 41 minutes of offense – you had 41 minutes of offensive possession and lost the game. And your quarterback throws for 278 and two, and then rips off another 11 rushes for 122 and two. Yep. Everybody needs to start looking out for the McGill Redbirds. I don't care if they lost this game. They're playing damn good football in the back half well, of the season. This is nothing new from La Tondras that we've seen this year, no. uh, Connor. But I think what it comes down to is this Concordia team. Veteran leadership. Jacob Salvail. Obviously, we, we saw him in combine season last year. 12 for 141 in the touchdown, including the game winner. Olivier Waugh, 29 of 41, 387 and two. Uh, did have an interception uh, to Tom Raphael, but this was an air show and a half. Uh, leading rushes on both teams, Connor. Uh, 56 yards and outside of La Tondras, 28 yards. So that was just let the quarterbacks have the ball. Salvel had 12 catches. Did I mention that? 12. Uh, Dari Simmons, 
Uh, six of 118 and a touchdown as well, including a 53-yard bomb. Uh, honestly, I would I would pay to have this as a first-round playoff game. Like, can we change the RSEC playoff layout so that everyone makes it? First gets a bye, two, five, uh, three, four. This wouldn't be a matchup, but we would at least get McGill in the playoffs where they could potentially pull a shocker out. Make some noise, make a little bit of noise, or potentially – another team wearing the green and gold that we're going to talk about in a little bit. <laughs> no, I, uh, but with this, uh, with this game, I mean, they had a 3000 person crowd. It was 12 degrees, a nice hefty 20 kilometer wind, um, a beautiful fall day for football, but uh, four sacks from McGill, uh, forced fumble, uh, interception, five pass breakups, their defense held their own but in that last quarter corner it was just big play after big play after big play until uh we got there and i believe at one point there was uh there's a field goal to tie it and make it 23-23 mcgill roughed the kicker it was a bad like bad penalty like the guy was definitely in the wrong um but he uh, he ended up putting them on the one-yard line, rushing touchdown 27-23, and then the game was on from there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we can almost safely call this one of, the, one of the games of the week. It was certainly one of the most exciting games of the week, but let's move on to, I mean, maybe not your biggest upset, but the biggest upset, upset. that I didn't see. I didn't see it. It's upset to me. If, Sher- if Sherbrooke beats Montreal, that's an upset to everybody in the country except for you, apparently. I texted you Sherbrooke road trap because the same damn thing happened last year. When Montreal goes to Sherbrooke, last year, people said, oh, they had a lot of people out from COVID. Jonathan Senecal still played. Uh, <laughs> he still played in this one. What's 20? crazy, yeah, what's crazy to me in this one, though, is that Montreal had 402 yards of total offense and lost. Sherbrooke won with 200 net yards of offense. Well, here's why. When you look at uh, the turnovers here from Montreal, drive begins at the Montreal 18, one play, fumble. Okay. Well, Sherbrooke takes over the ball at the 23-yard line. Uh, They score there. Montreal starts at their own 25. They go 54 yards, pick. Okay. They start at their own 17, go 35 yards, pick. They start at their own 38, go 40 yards, pick. Connor, anytime they dented into Sherbrooke territory, or maybe they just did it to themselves in their own red zone, they were turning the ball over. You can't win games when you can't get past midfield without saying, you know what, Sherbrooke, have the ball. You haven't had it enough. You know what, Sherbrooke still lost time possession this game, Connor. 33 minutes for the Montreal Carabin. But they gave up eight sacks. They took, lost two fumbles. And they threw three picks. Yeah, I mean, red zone efficiency, man. We've been talking talking about it all year. Just ask. Oh, up. sorry, sorry, sorry. They had eight sacks, so they they still were a force on defense. 
insane. Insane to me that Sherbrooke snuck this one out with the metrics, with the stats, how they how they are. Like if you're just box score surfing, if you're just looking at stats, yardages, whatever, defensive play, and you hadn't seen the score in this game yet, nine out of ten people would be like, Oh yeah, that was a Montreal win. Yeah. Yep. I, even with even with the turnovers, you expect this to be a a Montreal win. Like eight sacks, you control the clock, you run the ball for the first time all year very well. Uh, Bertrand Bowie with 12 carries for 73 yards. But you you lose? I don't know. To me, Connor, this Montreal team is just this is like their critical mass point where the weight becomes too much for them to overcome. They now have to go. Uh, they have to play another game. They have to play uh, McGill next week with Laton Dress, who's a threat. And then they're going to have to go in the playoffs. And Laval's going to be sitting there waiting at Stad Tellus, just like kicking up their heels saying, come on, boys, let's go for round three. And I think it's just going to be too much for the Carabao to overcome. I yeah I'm I'm with you on that. Uh, this this game more than ever before really makes me second guess what type of team Montreal is this year. I think that this game doesn't cement Laval as the Dunsmore Cup winners, but I think it certainly cements them as the favorites. This Last game, week cemented them as the winners, Connor. The Glen Constantine Revenge Tour as the winners. <laughs> I'm not ready to call somebody a winner yet. I mean, there's still plenty of football to be played, and you know what those Laval Montreal Dunsmore Cup games looks look like. But I know what they look like in Montreal and I know what they look like <laughs> in Laval. And it usually has the home team holding up the trophy. I'm I'm willing to say that Laval is the favorite. I'm not willing to crown them yet because the ball bounces in funny ways and we both know that. But I will say I'm super excited for what the Sherbrooke Ver Aor are gonna look like in twenty twenty three. Yeah, and I mean, uh, Olivier Giroud has uh, not played uh, much this year after he got hurt in uh, East-West Bowl, but they, they're probably going to lose him to the draft this year. Uh, but they're, they're building a good team, and they're, they're putting money into the, into the program as well with a new facility. Uh, RIP the last natural grass field. You know what? Maybe that's what it was. We can blame the natural grass, Connor. Uh, <laughs> Somebody called Jamie Foxx. We're blaming something on something. Uh can West time. That's an old joke. I feel really old for making that Jamie Foxx blame a joke. God I don't damn. think any U sports players are going to get that reference. God uh, damn. <laughs> Can West time. Uh, much of the same, much of the same. Uh, Manitoba outlasts Alberta. Uh, Regina beats down Calgary. We'll talk about those games briefly. Alberta just kind of hung around. They were up 2015 uh, at the half. Then they kind of slowly 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 started to fall apart uh luke hornung had a big game 416 through the air two touchdowns rushing two touchdowns passing uh jonathan rosary running back turned receiver led the team six for 150 uh i i honestly des catelier 418 four touchdowns uh ak gasama seven for 142 and one connor i i made my comments about des catelier earlier in this year about how they'd hit their ceiling with him and they should move on to chinsky and just kind of start the new season i'm looking wrong right now but i'm telling you 
in the postseason, I will be made correct because this Manitoba team has a great offense. They have a lot of highly skilled player playmakers, Braden Stubbs, uh, AK Gasama, uh, just to name a few. Marcelo Ruda Welsh is still playing on the back end, but they're going to be limited by Des Catelier. I know he just threw for 418 against Alberta, who has a good secondary uh, with Tyshawn Blackburn, Jake Taylor. Uh, just wait. Just wait, and all will be made clear in the water. My two things with, with Des Catelier right now are, one, I'm absolutely stunned that he still has eligibility. That's my biggest shocker <laughs> with Des Catelier right now. And two, I think you're right, because when we look at what he's done in the past, he doesn't have a macho Bakru to make him look like a phenomenal quarterback. And, and no, he has no an AK No, I know, but he... Different body type. Different body type. And I think, again, like I don't want to rag on Des Catelier or, or anything like that. Like East-West baller was a very good quarterback in that, that stretch. But Des Catelier, certain quarterbacks have the ability to win games by themselves. Certain quarterbacks need the entire team. And I think Des Catelier falls into the second tractor trailer comment. comment. Tractor trailer. So you either pull the team or you need to be pulled by the team. And I think that I think that he needs to be pulled by the team. And I think that when we get into the playoffs, that's going to shine through. And I think the stronger teams, like an Alberta this year, like a Regina, like a Saskatchewan, are going to exploit that. Look, here, here's what it comes down to. Eli Hetlinger plays for Alberta in this game. They probably win. Alberta's had a... Without really, question. They've had a really weird year with um, some heartbreaks, some injuries, like Kazushka's been hurt. Uh, Rodine Brown has been hurt uh, at points in the year. Alberta's way better than two and five. I think if they, if they have their pieces this year, Connor, they're beating Manitoba in this game, hands down. Um, we're getting overinflated egos here in Winnipeg. I know the Bombers are good, but this Bison's team is not the Bombers. Uh, they are the difference best. between the Bombers and the Bisons is Zach Caleros. Tractor trailer. <laughs> <laughs> One guy could pull a rookie receiver like Dalton Schoen into the league lead for receiving yards. The other one is fighting for fourth place in Can West. Okay, I got, I got like a good little like anecdote about this because you mentioned Zach Claros making a rookie receiver the best receiver in the CFL. My cousin texted me um, earlier last week and he was just kind of asking him about – because he's a CFL fan as well, so he was just mm-hmm. kind of asking my takes and, and whatever. But he said, uh, he said something about the Bombers and, and like why, basically he was like, why, why are the Bombers going to three-peat again this year? And I was like, well – they're very good from top to bottom. They've got all-stars from top to bottom. And they've also got a quarterback who has made a, taken a rookie receiver and made him the statistical best receiver in the CFL in his first year. That's the type of quarterback that Zach Caleros is. What baffles me is CFL fantasy still has Dalton shown as like the 10th most expensive player. Every week I just log in, scroll down to Dalton Schoen and hit Search select. for Schoen. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy, man. It's so, it's so impressive to watch. It's so fun to watch too. All right, Connor. Uh, good old fashioned clean win here for the Regina Rams. Uh, 
A little bit of baseball scores going on here in the first quarter. Six nothing on a field goal safety in Rouge. So credit to them for filling out their bingo card on how to score in this game. Uh, <laughs> they had a they had a run, a pass, a field goal, a safety, and a rouge. Ways in uh, which you have to get across on the bingo card. Yeah, you're only missing a scoop and score, a kick six, and a pick six. And a punt return. There we go. <laughs> I mean, so like, I don't other, know. I, I love kick six in anywhere. Like, there's in. there's other areas of the bingo card they could have hit, but they had enough to cross the border. So we're gonna we're gonna call that a win. Uh, Regina's just checking boxes at this point, right? Like, it's gonna be them and UBC slugging it out for who gets to play against uh, Saskatchewan. That's, yeah, that's what it is to me at this point. Uh, I think Lecce has done a fantastic job filling in for Josh Donnelly. Uh, this year, I I really would love to see what this team looks like with Josh Donnelly at the helm. Yeah. Oh man, that would be something to behold. I think like already for you, for me, they are the second best team in the conference this year without hesitation. Oh, there's no question. Nobody's but well, we'll get there, I, but nobody's played uh, Saskatchewan better than Regina. Yeah, and I, I would say that I think. Josh Donnelly at the helm, no disrespect to their quarterbacks right now, but Josh Donnelly at the helm might've pushed that series to a one-on-one type of series. Like it might've been. I think that's the difference. Yeah. Uh, Jacob Biggs though on the day, Connor, three pass breakups. Still having it. You know, Calgary's had a really tough year. There have been some bright points for them. Uh, Jacob Biggs is one of them. Certainly the bright spot on the Calgary defense. Uh, But no, Calgary one and six. They're going to try and close their season next week. Uh, against the Huskies. Yikes. Yeah. Let's talk about those Huskies, Connor. Uh, we called this. I, I, who I thought I, they were. I don't know if I called a UBC win. I called a UBC cover because it is yeah. a tough place to go on the road and play. We did call. We called the road trap and we called the cover. I don't know we called if the road trap. could have foreseen an upset, but we certainly called the road trap. Let's give, let's pat ourselves on the back a little bit here. Uh, Garrett Rooker hurt on the second UBC drive in this game. Didn't Does know. that phase the UBC T-Birds? No. Hell to the no. They jumped out to a 14-point lead. Isaiah Knight going 78 yards total on two plays uh, to score. Kieran Flannery Fleck uh, converted on both kicks. And then all of a sudden, Saskatchewan went, wait a second. <laughs> what? We're down 14 points? Oh, okay. Let's, let's go. Daniel Weeb, 73 yards. Uh, they force a safety. And then Caleb Moore, 25 yards. All of a sudden, it's 16-14. And we've only played one quarter of football. How lovely. Uh, Connor... That is the road trap there in of itself. Yep. Two drives, uh, like touchdown, three and out from Sask, touchdown. Uh, and all of a sudden, you've got the Huskies looking up at a 14-point deficit going, what the hell just happened? That is what we talk about every week. You guys hear us say, oh, Windsor road trap. Uh Ottawa road trap, uh, the UBC road trap, because it's so tough to play at Sherbrooke road trap, where you have these long bus rides out or plane rides if you're in Can West. 
Um, this is what we talk about. You bury teams early and kind of like, it's like throwing a new Call of Duty game release. We know the Kyler Murray jokes. It's like throwing a flashbang into a room, having it go off, and then you run in and everyone's just disoriented, wondering what the hell is going on. Yeah. No, I mean, this, I mean, love the Kyler Murray jokes. So I love the analogy, but yeah, yeah, no, certainly. And I think that we're only going to keep seeing UBC climb and grow. I think they're under some phenomenal leadership right now. I certainly think that Isaiah Knight is one of the top five running backs in the country. Him, Adam Williams. K5. K5, Wanati, and JP Simmonkin. Those are your five? Those are my five. I'm good with that five. I, I, in no I'm particular order, five. those are my five. I'm not good with that five because five should be the bus over JP. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But like, uh, we'll go top six and JP's like well, five can, B. Can, can we just count K5 and Edwin Adi as one? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they are just yes. one monster with two heads. I agree with that statement. Okay. Uh, but no, like, Isaiah Knight, 151 yards. Uh, he also led the team receiving with 80. Um, but Connor, when we look at his scoring plays, he ran for 55. Uh, he ran for 45. Or sorry, his two passing touchdowns uh, were 78 of his 80 yards. His rushing touchdown was 54 yards. Um, so, I mean, he, he had a very good day, a productive day, and he's so fast out of the backfield. Um, but the Huskies, Connor, without that 14-point deficit, they had the ball on the 18-yard line for the last play of the game. And I don't know if you've seen the video or not. The ball was in the hands of Caleb Morin. Yeah. In the hands. Mason they are Myers. an inch away from walking off that game and saying, you know what, we were down 14. Guess what, boys? We won 36-35. Let's go to Calgary next week. Yeah. And I was going to say, Mason Nias did absolutely everything within his power, within his control, to put his team in position to win the game. Sometimes the ball just doesn't fall your way. And unfortunately for the Saskatchewan Huskies, it just didn't fall their way this week. Mason Nice had a career-long rush of 11 yards, uh, and then he followed it up with a 10-yard carry. Uh, I know he finished with 17. The other man? one was a loss. Who is this man? Those were both on the final drive as they were trying to take this game and win it. Uh, Connor, listen to these stat lines for the receivers. Daniel Weeb, 6 for 133 and touchdown. Rhett Vavra, 686 and a touchdown. Daniel Perry, 883. Uh, Caleb Bourne, 5 for 73 and a touchdown. Daniel Perry, Mr. Consistency. These guys are... are such a good unit that honestly when they get into the playoffs this is the best thing that's going to happen to them they are so this is going to sound weird they are confident in themselves after losing a game because they erased a 14 point deficit and they're walking away going damn we're one play one away play. yeah one play yeah. away from erasing a 14 point deficit on the road against a damn good ubc t-birds team and if you can remember, a year ago, in a one-play-to-win-the-game type situation, they iced the game in a very frosty Montreal. Yeah. They're, they're looking at themselves now saying, 
if this situation comes up again, we know we can walk down the field. We know we can get that one play and score. We've done uh, it on the national stage. We did it to go to a Vanier Cup. <clears throat> I, I, I'm more confident this is Saskatchewan team now. Honestly, I'm excited for the UBC Regina playoff matchup. Oh, that's going to be bring it yeah, on. Yeah, that's that's one I've got circled. That's going to be one of the best playoff matchups I think of of the end of the year, certainly. Uh, final uh, week, we got UBC, Alberta, Manitoba, Regina, uh, Calgary, Sask out, out west. So uh, if all holds pat and the favorites win, we're going to get that Regina-UBC T-Birds matchup. I yes, can't wait. Please. I can't wait. We need it. We need it. Well, <laughs> we'll bring you the lines on those later in the week. Uh, but for con- if you guys want to get in on those, you guys can find them over at CoolBet. There is the sports equinox going on right now with the World Series, hockey, NCAA, NFL. Uh, it's the best time of year for sports. Everything's going on. And I think we're, we're getting World Cup in what, like a week, week and a half? Yeah, that's exciting for some people. Uh, so we could possibly have a really big sports equinox. Yeah. Uh, but head over to coolbet.ca, get in on the action. Must be of legal gambling age to play. For Connor and I, we'll see you on Thursday. You guys already know where to find us. You take a look.